still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I am joined as ever, this time on English Shores, by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, a couple of days since we returned back to Blighty from our insane trip to La Rochelle. Have you recovered yet? I think from my voice in that intro... It may be clear that I've not 100% recovered, but how are you? I'm good. There was, uh, yeah, certainly a few dusty heads making their way slowly and painfully back to back to back to London and 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 the southwest. But at least our at least our flight wasn't cancelled like the like the Bath Boys was. But no, fantastic a fa- fantastic weekend, and we're both a little less full of beer and and wine than we were when we were recording last time. Yeah, no, thank you so much for listening to the last podcast and thank you for like some incredible feedback that we've had mm. on, on the podcast, obviously recorded on the Sunday after we'd watched Bath as the only Bath fans in La Rochelle the, the previous day. Full disclaimer, we had had a couple of drinks when we uh, sat down to record that podcast and we were a bit worried that we were going to send it out and it was going to be terrible. Um I can't listen to my voice at the best of times, Tom, but especially when I'm pissed, it's a nightmare. So I haven't listened back to it, but the people that have listened to it um, have described it as, as maybe our best ever episode. So maybe we should do these pissed every week, but if you haven't listened to it and you would like to, obviously it's in our feed, go back and check it out. Let us know what you, what you think of it. But Tom, what an in- incredible, insane weekend that we had in La Rochelle. I wonder if you've got a few thoughts now, a few days on. It was, it was amazing, and it, it you know it, it came out of nowhere. The, the you know the announcement for that the, the Brits were able to travel to France the morning of the, the 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 afternoon that our flight was due to take off, and it was one of those trips that you know everything just fell into place at the right time. We were able to go last minute. We got our tests done and, and all that kind of thing. We took a real punt going out there. We didn't even know when we were we were we were through airport security if we were going to be able to get into the ground. Luckily, as we said on the podcast. Bath were the the club were were amazing in 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 sorting us out and the hospitality out there was was incredible. The players coming over at the end was was just was just kind of the cherry on top of a of a fantastic weekend. And even though we were the only five, the La Rochelle five of the the five thousand fans that were were in the stadium that day, I think you know it it probably meant a lot to the players and the staff out there that you know they're really we talk about thick and thin, but that really was an adventure. And I think that's that's what being a rugby fan's all about. Yeah, sitting down in the Weatherspoons in Gatwick Airport to the message from Bath that we got tickets. You know, a, a tour of many highs. That that was certainly one of them. And yeah, it was a punt that we took. Um, and understandably, no other Bath fans decided to to take such a punt, or they were just kind of more organised than us and got their refunds sorted earlier. Um, but yeah, it was it was incredible. And, and as as I mentioned on the on the previous podcast I believe that I really hope we kind of draw them again maybe not next year because I don't think we'll be in the same competition but sometime soon just because I kind of feel so lucky that we were able to go out there and and spend some time in what was just an in, an incredibly welcoming city and just one of the great cities 
but it'd be great to do that with loads of other Bath fans and sharing that experience. I think it would be fantastic. So hopefully we get the chance to go back out there um, with a lot more of you listeners. And, you know, we've got some inside friends there now, certainly. So we'll probably be able to organise some sort of meetup at, at one of the, the many bars that, that we uh, ended up in, in over the weekend, Tom. Yeah, I think the stadium as well. I mean, there was only 5,000 spectators in there and they were able to make you know, mm. quite a noise banging the, the kind of steel, um, you know, stands and parapets or whatever they were to, to make like quite a lot of noise. I think if that was a completely full stadium, I think it's about 16,000 capacity. So more than three times the number of people that were in there, that would have been quite some atmosphere, quite some kind of cauldron of noise. And then, the you know, all the, the post-match facilities, the bodegas that were there, the the bars that were were had tables with you know charcuterie plates and um and and on all that kind of thing it just would have been a great spectacle um to to see it full and to see it fuller full, fuller with bar fans so yeah only great things to say about the the town and and the stadium and as you say hopefully we get to do it again soon yeah and you mentioned the noise Tom from the the, the... La Rochelle fans were able to make banging on the stadium almost feeling like it was shaking. Um, but yeah, personally for me, that was a different kind of shake from La Rochelle last Saturday. The thick to scale reading for me, Tom, read a 10 from our weekend. I cannot think that can be topped. Um, and despite a 39-21 defeat, um, yeah, I'm registering a 10 on the thick to scale. And I don't think that is going to happen again this season. So enjoy it. <laughs> and we won the second half so there's you know if we'd, we'd started then it would have been all good yeah for sure um, yeah an, inc- an incredible trip and thank you once again for, for for all of your support with getting us out there Bath and all of you listeners support for, for the, the content that, that we put out and I was just going to say maybe, maybe on, on the game and I could well have said this last time we recorded <laughs> but forgive me I can't remember but you know for La Rochelle to be 39 nil up after 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 55 minutes and for us to show some you know serious fight and to rally with two yellow cards with no fly half in the 23 with Cam Redpath filling in having never played fly half professionally and then Ben Spencer moving to to do that job to to get three tries against a team that's pretty formidable at home even if they did lift their foot off the gas which which they did but I think to do that showed showed um showed yeah showed quite a lot of heart and I think I think I think deserves credit. So fair play, I think, for the effort that they showed in that in that second half. Yeah, agreed. Um, moving on then, Tom, to matters of the real world. Unfortunately, and after a trip like that, you kind of want to go into your, your bunker a little bit and, and get through the week at work. But Bath have hit us with some quite considerable and and quite um, important news items uh, this week so we're going to touch on them in this podcast and then of course look ahead to the home game the uh, visit of Leinster doesn't get any easier on Saturday at the wreck and, and, and discuss that game at the end of the podcast um, but Tom without further ado let's get into the announcement that Bath made on Wednesday which confirmed the coaching announcements for the next season the 2022-23 season to so the coaches that will be working alongside Johan van Graan. So I'll just give you the, the headlines uh, and then we'll just delve into some of the specifics that, that we want to talk about, Tom. So firstly, Neil Hatley remains as forwards coach. 
Defence coach will be JP Ferreira. The lineouts coach will remain as Luke Charteris. The attack coach is to be confirmed. And leaving, therefore, will be David Williams, Mark Lilly, Ryan Davis. And, of course, Brent will not be continuing his short-term spell at the club. So why don't we start, firstly, with the guys staying, remaining within the current setup. And let's start with Neil Hatley, who goes from head coach to forwards coach. What did you make of that? Yeah, I think I think you you, you may disagree with me here, but I'm 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 personally pleased to to, to see him stay on. As, as I've said previously on this podcast, I think he was he was given almost an not an impossible job, but he was given a very very difficult job coming into a setup late after missing preseason, having been with with England for the World Cup, with very inexperienced people both above him with Stuart Hooper and also below him with kind of you know academy or novice coaches. In, in the form of Davis, Lilly and, and Charteris. You know, he'd never really had a head coach role before at a at a at a decent level. Forwards coaching is is really where he's where he's made his name. And we shouldn't forget that he was forwards coach of a of a pretty dominant England team over over a couple of years that got to the World Cup final, having hammered New Zealand in the semis and all of that kind of thing. So you know he's he's clearly he clearly knows what he's doing as a forwards coach. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. I think head coach was a stretch, but I think if he can now have the time to turn his full attention to our forward pack, which let's be honest, after this season, it needs the full attention of of, of a proper coach. Then then I, I you know I think I think I think that could be could be positive. So yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm pleased to see him pleased to see him stay. Yeah, and I, th- I think you expressed the general sentiment amongst Bath fans on Twitter, Tom. For example, Matt Hunt got in touch with us to say that he's glad Hats is staying and focusing on his area of expertise. I just see it, I see it completely differently. I think I, you know, first of all, if I'm if I'm Johan van Gran and he's undoubtedly got a massive say, rightly so, to um, who who's, who who will be on his coaching staff, and, and you can see that with with the JP Ferreira um, announcements. But if I'm him, I think I just want a clean house of these Bath guys, the guys remaining. And, you know, I said that about Stuart Hooper, but I think the, the, the remaining influence of Neil Hatley having stepping down from head coach to forwards coach, that dynamic is going to be bizarre. And, and I think secondly, I, you know, you're right. He was coach of a, of a good England team, but that, that four pack are not well coached. And he is the forwards coach he's head coach as well but his main job will be the forwards coach and I don't think he's improving forwards like we get guys that come in and these they start off fantastically Will Stewart Lewis Boyce Josh McNally for example but is he improving these guys is he improving our pack over you know I understand the context of, of when he joined completely understand that but that's like three years ago at this point I'm not sure he's done enough over the course of the the time he's been at the club when, despite being head coach, his main focus will be the forwards to justify staying on. Combine that with the strange dynamic between him and Van Gran, I think it's bizarre and I think it's probably the wrong call that he he remains as forwards coach. Yeah, well, time will tell. But, you know, he's ultimately in, in Stuart Hooper's level of... With Stuart Hooper's current level of involvement on the on the training field picking the picking the team etc as we know even though Neil Hatley was named kind of number one head coach the reality is 
in a lot of the stuff that happens on the playing field, he has been number two to, to Stuart Hooper. With Stuart Hooper kind of fading off into this spare part of a director of rugby, which it, it appears that he is with, you know, Jürgen van Grand very much taking the reins. I, I'm not sure it changes too much because I still think Hatley essentially will be in a position where he's a number two or reporting into so, reporting into Van Gran. So sorry, excuse me, Tom. So if sorry, it doesn't change if it doesn't change very much, what how can we expect him then to to have a more influence on this four pack and therefore improve it? Sorry, I missed that. So so sorry, if he's if he if it's not changing very much, if he's gonna have a similar role to what he does now, why do we think that this four pack is going to improve under him? No, I mean, it's a similar structure in that he will continue to be a number two. He'll continue not to have the say that, that, he, that he currently doesn't have. He, he, doesn't, he can't pick the team. He, Stuart Hooper is overly involved, as we've said lots of times. So I'm not sure that he, you know, he's not, he's not really stepping down in terms, of, in terms of the chain of command is what I mean. What is happening, I guess, is he's, he's refocusing. Um, I, I think if the dynamic plays out that, that he... He, you know, in the way that you're you're describing, I think that Van Grand's shown that he's the sort of guy that will clear house pretty quickly. But I think that the reality is Neil Hatley's been overly stretched in a way that means he hasn't been able to focus on on the forward pack as much as he as much as he can. And I I would take issue with the, some of the comments about bringing players on. I think there's there's other examples of of players that he will have been involved in heavily. Miles Reed, Josh Bayliss getting the call up for for Scotland, for example. Ewan Richards. Starting to starting to come through, so I think there are players that have he's he, he's brought on. Mm. Yeah, maybe I I just I, you know we watch a lot of Bath and we watch a lot of other teams, and I think you can just look at someone like George Givington at Gloucester, and you can see he spent time on the training park with that four pack, and he's got them so well drilled; they all know exactly what they're doing. Bath four pack don't like they know what they're doing. But I don't think Hatley's had had the time to be able to do that when he's been in a role that is overstretched for okay. him with other coaches that 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 you know aren't don't don't have the necessary experience. But okay. I take your point. It, it it may be that it just doesn't work with him with him taking a step down. But I think if that is the case, we'll 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 hear about that quite quickly. Okay, fair enough. Time time will maybe tell on Neil Hatley, and I, I do think I'm, I'm I'm in the minority of Bath fans there, Tom. But but given all that we've just discussed. How is Luke Charteris remaining as lineouts coach? Kind of what what are you seeing in the lineout that that justifies that? Yeah, not a lot. I agree with, agree with you on this what? one. I mean, we it, it, like he's got one job there. You can't really argue that he's been you know he's been overstretched. We've got one job, and as far as I'm concerned, he's only worried about our lineout on our ball because we don't compete on on opposition ball. So. That 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 does feel like a little a little bit of a strange point a strange sort of bit of retention there. I agree. Like the end of the first half against La Rochelle, Tom, we were out of the game at this point, but there we have five lineouts on their five meter line, and we are unable to convert any of them into tries. All of them are defended by by La Rochelle. That's a guy who's got one job: get that right. He has failed to get it right over the course of since he kind of retired and you know him remaining on I, you know I'm sure he's a fantastic bloke um, but 
I do not see, and obviously we see only half the the picture, less than the picture. You know, most of his job will obviously be in the training park, but at the end of the day, that has to translate into results. And the line out is one of Bath's biggest areas of weakness this season, and yet the line out guy, the line out coach, is is being retained. A, a guy who, and I really feel like I'm throwing him under the bus here, but a guy who, to me, appears his you know his main qualification is that he's six foot eight. He hasn't been away from the club coaching, really. Come straight from a, a kind of, um, you know, a, a, a player within the club to retiring straight into the, into the setup. So, um, yeah, that, that one seems certainly strange to me. So, yeah, they're my thoughts on on Luke Charteris and, and, and apologies ran over. Tom, let's talk about something that, that I'm feeling far more positive about. And that's the addition that we have made going, well, the only confirmed addition at this point going into next season. Uh, that is the addition of defence coach, defence coach JP Ferreira, who Van Graham brings along with him from Munster. Regular listeners of the podcast will, of course, seen this one coming. I flagged it in the podcast where we um, discussed Van Grand's appointment. So it, will be, it won't be news to, to the most clued up Bath fans, but Tom, what were your thoughts when this one was confirmed? Well, after all the, the times that we've called for a, a quality defence coach, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm especially, you know, really happy to see that they've, they, they brought someone in who, who clearly is that. And you mentioned he, you know, works with Van Grand for, for five years at, at Munster, but they actually knew each other from, from far before that having played in the same side at, at the University of Pretoria. So, you know, they they, they know each other very well. Van Graan will, will will trust him and, and give him the, the responsibility and the reins to, to sort out what's a, what's a, what's a dire defensive outfit at the moment. So he's certainly going to have a, have a job on his, on his hands, on his, on his hands, but he's, 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 he's got a very good CV. And when you look at the stats across his five seasons with Munster, over that time, they had some of the best defensive records in both the Pro 14 and the Champions Cup. So, you know, Munster fans and, and Keith Wood, etc., may moan about them being a, a turgid attacking side with only one way of playing the game. But one, re, well, you know, one thing they can't argue with is that the defence was was very, very watertight. And you only have to look at some of the comments on on social media that you know uh, comments against the, the the announcement by Munster that he was leaving to see how much he was. He was respected for what he's done at Munster. So huge appointment. Really, really happy with with that one. And I think, you know, I'm I'm really starting to 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 like the look of the, the you know the way that we're getting this new structure in in place. And there's been a number of very positive changes. And it's it's you know, hope is all you need. And it, we're starting to get some of that back, I think, with the with changes like that. Yeah, I'm equally as positive on this one. Just kind of the reaction from from Munster fans says it all. And, and yeah, all yeah. before before the his time with Munster, he spent time with the Lions in Super Rugby, and um, the two seasons that he was head coach of the Lions, they had the best defensive record in the Super 15. So, so this seems like a guy who's got a proven track record of of, of getting you know, of organising really good defences. Now, will he be able to reorganise what is a complete mess at the moment? It's going to be an extremely difficult task for him. Um, but I think this is a fabulous appointment. Do you know what happened? And this is all too familiar to, to Bath fans with recent appointments. The Lions had, yeah, as you say, the, the best defensive records during 
during both seasons. In both those seasons, they lost in the final. Yeah, well, they defended well, though. Well, but yeah. Tom, I'll take a final defeat at this point. <laughs> we know all about finalists, though, with old 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 Todd Blackadder. But true, that is true, and, and Van Grand the same. But but yeah, so, so and this sounds so stupid. But the fact that he's bold also just makes me really confident in him. I just think he's going to take no nonsense. And yeah, I, I, I listened to a few interviews with him. Um, and, and someone that's going to take no nonsense from from players, I think is what, what at times you need. And yeah, I think get the players in early next preseason for two weeks where there's nobody in the building but them and, and JP and just get him beasting them and get them organised. Um, don't worry about attack. Just get this defence organised. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really positive about this one. I think, you know, I think people on Twitter, certainly Tom Scriven, suggesting that this appointment seems to have gone down worse with Munster fans than even the Van Grand one. So a, a real good addition for, for, for Bath, Tom. The only other addition still to come, of course, is the the attack coach, which is is yet to be confirmed in classic Bath fashion. Um, the coaches were announced, but but yeah, you know, it was it was not quite finished. Um, a, a job half done, which which means leaving at the end of the season will be David Williams after just one season at the club. Um, Mark Lilly and Ryan Davis, who are guys who have, have come through, I guess, the the coaching pathway at Bath, uh, but have will will not be at the club. For, for next season um, which, which is a shame but I don't think they can have many complaints given the the way this season has gone so I think one bloke who, who may be able to have a few complaints is my man Brent he didn't even make it into the press release I was thinking is he, is he still at the club like you know they didn't thank him for his continued efforts for for the rest of the season you know and I'm, I'm sure he begged them begged them not to to make his redundance and said he he'd uh he would be less complacent. He'd work twice as hard. But, but yeah, they, they let him go on this the day of laughter. Um, and I'm going to get in as many David Brent well, as I can in before the end of the season. I was going to say, that's the only reason that you're annoyed. So you, you, can, <laughs> you, can, no, you can no longer put off it, uh, stick off his quotes in that, that no one no one gets apart from you um, in, into these podcasts. Yeah, no one's I mean, to join them. People just think I've gone mad for a little section of the <laughs> podcast. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to miss my man Brent. I think I think for for David Williams. I mean, I think he was only brought in in, in May of of um, of of, of twenty twenty one. So this, yeah, as you say, this will be kind of his one and only season with the with the club. Well, that's that's when it was announced. Sorry, is is, is what I mean. And it it does feel like a bit of a short a short time to be to be given the chance to do that. So I mean, it, it may be that you know he's he he's just not what the, the club is looking for, and he's he's just not performed at, at the level that. That, that was needed. It may be that he's, you know, he's somehow fallen out with someone at the club, and and they've 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 parted terms because of that. But for me, I mean, looking at the JP Ferreira news, and also hearing some of the rumours that Van Graam might look to to bring some Munster players with him across the Irish Sea. For me, I think maybe the likelihood is that Van Graam has got someone in mind and got someone potentially lined up that he's worked with before that he rates personally that he wants to to bring in. So I'll be keeping a, uh, you know, a, a weather, weather eye out for that announcement because I think I wouldn't be surprised if that's another Van Gran-led appointment. Yeah, and just for the record, the current attack backs coach at Munster 
There's a guy is well, a guy called uh, Stephen Larkham, who I'm sure everyone is familiar with, uh, but he will be returning back to Australia at the end of the season to be the head coach of the the Brumbies. So, so maybe it's someone that that Van Graan's got lined up. And for me, this has to all be led by Van Graan. He needs to be the guy who picks these these guys, so that a he's accountable for them, and b he seems like a, a someone that that can get this sort of thing right and build a staff. Like you look at the staff he built with a at Munster, Roundtree, Ferreira, Larkham, all people that are highly sought after now. So so that's a good sign. I think he has to be the um he has to be the driving influence behind all of these all of these appointments, Tom. Completely agree, yeah. And 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 the backs coach who who we eventually do appoint will have to work closely and we'll look forward to working closely with Academy Fly Half, England Fly Half, Orlando Bailey. This really was some incredible news in the week, Tom. Eddie Jones, of course, named his Six Nations squad. God, how quickly has that come around? Um, and along with with Charlie Ewells and Will Stewart, Orlando Bailey was also included. Um, yeah, just fantastic news for, for Orlando and fantastic news for, for the academy, a guy who's been at the club since he was 13 years of age. Yeah, and it's, it's now clear why Eddie Jones braved the cold... To, to to come and watch the two worst teams in the league slug it out in in pretty in pretty grim in pretty grim uh, um, to a pretty grim standard with with the Bath against Worcester game at the rack. Um, yeah, I, I I'm so happy that he's he's made it into the squad. And when you think about his his rise, it's incredible. I mean, only months ago at the start of the season, it was all the talk about if Cipriani could provide the spark that our backline sort of so desperately needed. And as we know, kind of he's he's flopped massively. And despite winning only sort of one from 14, Bailey, as we've said many times, has been the bright spark, I think particularly in the last month or two, where he's shown real aspects of improvement in, in, in a lot of areas of his game. I mean, place kicking being one where he's come on leaps and bounds. So he, he seems able to learn and develop really quickly at the age of only 20 years old. And I think whilst his, his game's definitely not, not perfect yet, obviously, if there is someone who knows how to identify young talent, it, it has to be Eddie Jones. So I think this is a massive endorsement for him and also a massive endorsement for what we've been saying over the past few weeks. And that is that we don't need to bring in a high profile fly half. Let's put all our eggs in the, in the Bailey basket. You know, I, d- I don't think with, with Smith and Farrell around, he's going to be playing regularly for England, but let's, let's, let's take this in, as an endorsement, really put our faith in him build loyalty from his perspective towards the club and see where he can take us. I mean, you only have to look at what Quinns did with Smith or even Exeter with Simmons to see how that can, that can work. So really, really pleased with him, uh, really pleased for him. And yeah, some, 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 another piece of, of, of really good news for the club during what's been difficult times. Yeah. Selected above ex-Bath man, George Ford of all people, wow. which is quite incredible, but yeah, credit, credit to, Orlando. Tom, Terry McKay got in touch with us, one of our most loyal listeners, to say, what are your thoughts on Jones wanting to change Bailey into an inside centre or jack-of-all-trades? That's got to clash with our need for a stable fly-half. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly would. Yeah, I, I did see him him say that. I think he said that, you know, he was he was a well-rounded player, a, a well-rounded enough player to, to play 15 or even, even sort of distributing 12 in the future. And I think, you know, in, in theory, he could. I mean, he's still in the pretty early stages of development, still in the senior academy, still only 20 years old. So 
he's fairly malleable from from that perspective. And I think he is quite physical in defence. He, he certainly doesn't shy away from that aspect of the game, like like some you know twenty year old fly halves might do. For me, though, you know, I think it's probably more likely that this is another example of of quite a clever tactic that Eddie Jones uses and, and used with Jack Knoll playing at flanker in the past. And that is to deflect attention away from what the proper, the real issues are and to sort of give the media these, these sound bites that they then, they then, they then write about, you know, the, the George Ford thing in this case being the, being the big elephant in the room and perhaps he's attracted attention from that. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I think from a Bath perspective, we need to stick with playing him at 10 because that's what we think his best position is. And that's what we, we need from a squad perspective. We don't need another 12 with a Jomo and, and Redpath already doing such a, such, such a great job in that area. So yeah, a bit of diversion tactics for me, but he, he certainly probably does have the, the skills to do it. Yeah. I mean, he, he runs, he runs like a 12 at times. Like there's, there's a lot of times when he'll just carry from first receiver, which is not ideal from, from a fly half. You, you, at times he doesn't look like a 12 for me when, when he does that. But yeah, don't put this out there, Eddie. You know, we need a fly half and, and this guy can can be the next fly half. I, I just wonder whether he's potentially thinking about a, a nearer post Farrell with with uh, Smith and Bailey um, because I'm not sure with, with, you know, Marcus Smith being only two years older than Orlando that they can they can both kind of playing in, 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 you know, they're not both play, both play at fly half, for example. So maybe that's what he's thinking, but a diversion tactic, I think you're probably right. Uh, but yeah, just, just fabulous news for Orlando. And I think ever since that first half against Bristol at Ashton Gate, which we went to, Tom, when, when it looked like kind of boy to man stuff, I think ever since then, he's been one of the standouts this season and absolute credit to him. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so happy for him. I like, really, really happy for him. Mm. Um, um, let's move on, Tom. Then finally, to oh, one, one more thing. One more thing mm. on the squad. Um, I think one guy that can have a, a few complaints of, of not getting selected is is Sam Underhill. And I know that the, the, he, he is injured at the moment. But I, I was reading something that was saying that that wasn't the the sole reason for him 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 not being included, and it was down to kind of um, you know there, there was an element of, of of form in there as well. And I think that's. I think that you know that's that's pretty unfair to be honest. I mean, you know, he's he picked up a few knocks here and there, but I still think at parts during this season he's been one of our top players, and and you know, I, I think he's one of the best flankers on his day in the Northern Hemisphere, let alone England. So I think he's he's been a little bit unlucky to to, to, to miss out completely. Well, I mean, the quote I saw from Jones was Jones saying he's not quite ready. And that he hopes to to bring him back in for later in the tournament. So I'm not sure I'd, I'd be too worried if I was Underhill. And well, yeah, hope, hopefully that's the case. I, yeah, I did see something that said that it was it, there was a kind of an element of, of it not just being injury, but but I'm, hopefully I'm not yeah. sure he's out in the cold. But, but I mean, there are a few boys that are out in the cold. Jeez, my word, this is an inexperienced squad. Um, but brings brings with it excitement, of course. My, my one worry with with the Bailey news, you know, you, you carry on this discussion, would, would just be they got five days at Penny Hill Park following the Leinster game, and then we play Quinns on the Friday night following. So he's almost certainly not going to be available for selection there. Uh, you know, sighting of Cipriani would be nice, or maybe not nice. We don't know where Schumann is. Redpath will obviously be 
in and around the Scotland squad. So so fly half may maybe a position that we, we you know we look a little bit bearing for that game and then throughout the Six Nations, depending on whether Orlando gets released. But hopefully <clears throat> the word is that Schumann is close. Um so so having him slot back in w- would be really useful. Yeah, and it'd be nice to get an, an injury update for Cipriani, as you say, because you know we know he picked up the head knock um, uh, earlier on in the season. We know he's we's had he's had COVID more more recently, but yeah, I mean, you know, where is he now? I mean, he, he must be he must be he must be close to to being back. We haven't heard that there's a long term issue with him, so you know, we we may obviously can't see a future with him past the end of this season, but. It'd be nice for him to him, him to fill in, and for us not to have to pick players from different positions to fill in from him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see him back, Tom, against Leinster on Saturday. One PM. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we fancy that. <laughs> One PM kickoff at the rack. Um, Tom, part of our trip, our fabulous trip to La Rochelle. Um, was spent on the Sunday watching Leinster absolutely destroy Montpellier. 89-7, 13 tries. Montpellier were, were, you know, were dreadful, simply dreadful. But Leinster did look, look really impressive on, on that occasion. And, and having them at the rack, given some of the results we've had, is slightly concerning, I'd say. Well, yeah, I think Leinster showed what they can do to a team who aren't really interested or cohesive at all in defence, and where do we know a team that that fits that bill perfectly? I think you know it. It, it, it could it could be it could it could be it could be a pretty bleak day. I mean, I'm. It's I think it's almost a sellout. I think there's a few tickets knocking about. I'm considering making the trip, but I mean, it's 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 going to be a pretty painful one. I think it's 13 tries, as you say, they look to be the the form team of the, the tournament. They've got an incredibly, incredibly talented squad and it's such a deep squad as well. They could they could rotate a fair few players in, which I, I probably think they, they'll look to do and they'll still be a, a pretty much all Irish outfit. So yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be pretty brutal and I think all we'll be looking for is just some heart, a bit of, a bit of fight, maybe a second half, a second half comeback. But I think that's 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 kind of all we can hope for with with, with that game. Yeah, Leinster twenty five point favourites with with the bookies, which which seems massively low to me. Um, and I, I'm not sure what a respectable scoreline would look like here, given given we've we've conceded seventy one points twice this season. Um, and Leinster look absolutely hungry for tries. Tom, it's, it's weird when I watch Leinster. I almost think at times they're they're in fast forward mode. You know their forwards are so are so fit. They get to the breakdown so quickly. Gibson Park is so quick at every breakdown, just getting into receivers' hands, and they just offload. And there's always someone. There's a ring rose. There's a llama. There's a burn. There's a sexton. There's a guy on the end of all of these offloads. Um, and and yeah, they just seem to play the game at such speed. Um, and obviously the owners will be on bar to try and slow their ball down and 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 we may welcome back Bayless, Reed or, or Underhill or you know a combination of those guys to try and somehow slow that ball down because when Leinster get on a roll like that, you know, they, they look absolutely unstoppable. So yeah, they, they look a fantastic side, one of the favourites, of course, to to win the tournament, if not the outright favourite. So it will be a difficult day at the wreck. 
um, but hoping to see s- some some areas of hope. And and a guy, Tom, I really would like to see get some game time on Saturday will be Will Butt. I thought, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast we did in La Rochelle, I thought he was impressive um, when he came on for Joseph in that game. And I think he's been impressive at times when he's showed glimpses of it in, in this season. He's a big boy. He came over to, to say you know, hello to us at the end of the game. And he's a big boy. And, and, and I know Van Gran, why I yeah. think Van Gran is going to want a big centre um, and does Will Butt, a young Will Butt, obviously fit that that bill? I don't know, maybe. And I think I would like to see him get some more game time as this season goes on. A partnership of him and Ajoma, I think it would be really exciting to see. So, yeah, a guy to watch out for, a guy I'm certainly looking forward to seeing develop yeah. for the rest of the season. Very much so, yeah. He seems to to fit the the, the Van Graam mould pretty nicely. And, you know, I'd be surprised if we don't we don't see someone in in that mould come in from you know externally from when 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 Van Grand does come in, but he could be a player that 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 really improves and and gets regular 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 game time from from next season and onwards. And I'd, yeah, I'd certainly be excited to see that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Maybe not loads of excitement from Bath's point of view on Saturday. Pretty pessimistic view of that game. But if you are going, of course, enjoy it. Um, I'm sure it'll be a great atmosphere and, and plenty of rugby on afterwards to, to get your teeth stuck into. So do enjoy it. You might see Tom there. Um, sounds like he's almost definitely going to go. So you'll probably see Tom there. Um, so if you do say hello, um, he's, he's, he's the bat looking one in the photo of basketball. Bath. <laughs> Under all the layers. <laughs> <laughs> all the Christmas layers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening once again. Thank you for being in touch with us throughout our weekend and, and throughout this week. It's at Bath Rugby Plug on social media. If you do want to get in touch with us, please do. Follow us on socials for, for all of, of our thoughts. Um, and hit subscribe, share the podcast as he always asks. And as we did in La Rochelle, you can do your bit and stick behind the boys through thick and thin. <laughs>